Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show section of a new special monthly treat for Stupid Hearts Club Patreon subscribers. It is an idea I've had for a spin-off podcast um, to accompany my other spin-off podcast, The Busking Chronicles. This one is called Tea and Empathy. And the point of it is that sometimes I have I have uh, ideas of guests or I have people that I want to talk to or I think about the, the sort of nature of wider sort of conversations I could be having if we open the idea of Stupid Hearts Club up to guests that are nothing to do with the comedy universe or that aren't the uh, small number of people that I sort of have on rotation or like contacts that I've made through being in the comedy industry. I've been... I've been aware that since I moved uh, to Brighton and Hove that I have far more conversations with people generally out and about in the street, in cafes, in bars, in pubs, on trains, on the seafront, in all sorts of situations. And I've started to realise that uh, one of the things that feels wrong with the world at the moment is that we don't feel as connected to each other as we used to and everyone's arguing in a very polarized way mainly online but actually if you if you talk one-on-one to people if you make the effort you actually feel good you feel better about humanity even you know even though maybe the con the context and the uh the conversations that you have might not be always about nice subjects and you might not always be seeing eye to eye on something I feel like real conversations with real people are a bit of a game changer and I think it would be nice to create something that celebrates that so here we are uh, I had this idea with my new producer Ollie um, or maybe he had the idea and then uh, and then I stole the idea and now I'm doing it uh, that's the sort of thing Ollie's going to have to get used to as I um, turn into a monstrous egotistical nightmare with a network of lucrative podcasts that's the dream anyway um, no obviously the whole point of this is I've been feeling as a person more lovely and connected to humanity and I hope that uh, this new series gives you that. Now, Tea and Empathy will only be available on my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. So if you're a member, uh, you will get 
once a month, you'll get the Busking Chronicles as an exclusive, and you will get an episode of Tea and Empathy as an exclusive. The other thing you get exclusively is uh, first dibs on my weekly um, releases of classic Stupid Hearts Club episodes, which still will be mainly chats with other comedians, funny people, people that I sort of vaguely know from the industry I'm in. Tea and Empathy is very much about uh, sitting in a space with a little bit of atmosphere and wondering who's going to walk through the door and what story they're going to tell me. I'm really excited about it. There's already a few very interesting people uh, that I'm told are lined up, but uh, I want to do it almost like blindfolded so that we, so that it can be, uh, the connection and the surprise can be real. Anyway, episode one of Tea and Empathy was recorded in a cafe in Hove with a very nice man that I've probably had like one very short conversation with in a co-working space that I started using. Um, He was keen to tell me that he does all sorts of interesting things, including working with a uh, organization that gets kids planting trees. And I wondered whether it might be interesting to find out more about him and try this idea out. So we met, we had a nice cup of tea, and we had a lovely chat that I thought, proving that I already love this idea for a format, I knew what kind of conversation I was in for, but uh, as happens when you talk to someone you don't know, it got more deep and interesting than I had expected. So please enjoy. Here is our first guest, Mr. Ricky Purnell. Well, hello. Um, what's your name? Ricky Purnell. Ricky Purnell. Good name. Okay. Sort of sounds like, uh, what does it sound like? Either a baseball player or a hot guitarist. <laughs> Am I anywhere close to what Ricky Purnell's all about when I say you could be a hot guitarist? Well, I, I wish I wish I had become a hot guitarist. Really? Um, I am a bit of a guitarist, oh, but, really? uh, but not, uh, not hot enough. But... Um, you know, I'm working on I'm working on the covers, and uh, I'm still looking for a um, one of those uh, cube amps that I can go and do some busking on the oh. streets of Shoreham by Sea. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. But that's, a street cube. Yeah. Um, can but, I recommend? Uh, I've not got one of those, but I sort of wish I didn't already have the one I've got because street cube looks like the most self-contained, good quality busking amp. Yeah. That's interesting you say that because I've been going out doing some busking. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a, quite a nice, it's called a, F- a Fishman Loudbox. Okay. And basically, it does a good job when an acoustic guitar and a microphone is plugged into it. And it's just got enough little dials to have some nice little reverbs and stuff on it. Yeah. And, it and it's self-contained, you can take, and you can take it, but it's not battery-powered. Whereas uh. Street Cube, you put pat- batteries in it, take it with you. Yeah. And when I've walked past people who've got one, the sound's really good. Yeah. It's amazing that we've... Um, started with busking talk because that's like the wrong podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's all right well, just to set the scene for you set the scene for me because you, you you never know where you're going to end up no exactly me what, what i'm going to be talking about well, or what exactly. i've been doing so so all i will say is uh we have shared a co-working office space without me really knowing much about what you do or you not know what i do mm. and so when i uh, have asked you to take part in this 
it's sort of because I'm, I've noticed that since I moved to Brighton and Hove, and it's something that I seriously needed to change in my life, is that there just wasn't enough conversations happening with other human beings. I was like in a very remote, cut-off place, and we went through the pandemic and all that. And then I moved down here to sort of like try and connect and find cool people and work and whatever. But what I wasn't expecting was how open and friendly the whole place is. And it made me just think, oh my God, I've kind of like, I think I'd lost touch with how valuable it is just to make time to talk to people that maybe on a daily basis don't usually sit and have a conversation with. And, and it also makes me consider that because we are in a culture at the moment that is so polarized and everyone thinks that we're all set against each other and angry, my observation is that that is true if you're looking at your phone or if you're on Twitter or arguing under a, a video on YouTube. But, but actually, most people, when you... You'd almost guarantee... Whoever you have a conversation with, there'll be some part of the human spirit, if, if handled correctly, that conversation might end up somehow being more positive than what people get up to when they're talking to each other online. So I have created this particular podcast. I have another podcast and I'm doing a few little side hustle bits of other podcasts. But this particular idea is called Tea and Empathy. And it's like, I'm basically saying, would you like to sit with me and, and have a cup of tea? Well, like very, very rudely ordered coffee. <laughs> like already putting a ball and move there in front of me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I just want to every episode have someone else just sit with me with a cup of tea and just in a way it's like I want to know what it is you want me to know or what you'd like to share with the world or find out about what you do or what makes you tick or what's important to you. Another reason I'm doing this is so that I can learn to listen better. So could you tell us a little bit? about what you do professionally? So what I do right now is um, I'm working on some renewable energy events. Right. Um, and I work on those conferences, uh, conferences on renewable energy. Um, they're actually focused on the African continent. Um, and the events take place in London for people who are developing the renewable energy market. Um, so I'm doing that for a couple of days. And I'm doing a couple of days, um, just recently started working for a political journal um, oh, called Africa Confidential. Right. In what way is it political? Um, well, it's, it's looking at politics across the whole of the African continent. Wow. Um, and um, uh, the journalists are not even, um, would prefer to be unnamed um, because obviously, as you can appreciate, some of the political regimes in Africa, if you're reporting on um, certain government issues, um, you know, you could potentially be putting your life in danger. Wow. So um, I guess the reporting um, has got to be handled very carefully. Um, but Africa Confidential has been going since 1960s. Oh, wow. Um, really? So it's a long established title. And it's got a staggering um, following, which I couldn't really get my head around. Um, they've got uh, half a million followers on uh, Facebook and something really? like 100,000 on Twitter. Um, but we're working with them actually trying to understand um, the whole business and just see um, how we, we could sort of work to, together to um, grow the business um, just in an advisory capacity. So I've just started doing that recently. So that's, that's kind of some of the paid work, <clears throat> but I can really throw you, th throw you at um, 
off at a tangent by telling mm-hmm. you recently as well, I've I got a phone call out of the blue mm-hmm. um, from this Italian chap, and he just phoned me up and he said, um, "Hello, is that Ricardo Pernell? Because Ricardo is my oh, is, really? is my my birth name, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I went to um, art college and studied photography a while back, and um, I'm listed in." Uh, a directory uh, uh, as a photographer still. All right. Um, I've been how how old is this directory? Uh, uh, I, I guess the one he picked up must have been about 25 years old. <laughs> He's like, um, who's the hotshot photo so guys out there? He found, he Ricardo found, Pernell from 1992. Yeah, yeah. well, there, there used to be a, I think there was a, a, a URL called Ricardo Photo, which, which, got, uh, which quite, I thought was quite catchy. Right. But anyway, I, I got this phone call um, and he said, uh, hello, I'm... I'm uh, uh, hello, I'm looking for a, uh, I'm looking for uh, a photographer to come and teach. Uh, you know, uh, our uh, students at the school. Would you be interested? Just like that. Would and I be interested? And at the end, he, he didn't know he didn't. His it's like, and he, of course, he was Italian. He saw my name Ricardo. So he yeah. probably said, "Oh, he, he looks like a nice guy." You know, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah. He must be yeah, Italian. You know. Yeah. Of course, I had to disappoint him. I'm not yeah. Italian. Hello, mate. I'm um, Ricardo. So, um, uh, and I managed to fit that into my schedule as well so not only am I doing so you're putting that in so I'm putting that I'm actually teaching uh, half a day a week I'm teaching um, some students photography at a special education needs school in Shoreham which is completely different to the other paid work but then that just goes to show you the beauty of uh, of of working around here you know you can get all kinds of odd jobs Um, don't have to answer this if you don't like but uh, having not been in a photography journal for 25 years did you feel that it like that are the principles basically unchanging in teaching people photography or we, or, or do you do still do enough photography that be like yeah fine where, where, where are the kids I'll tell them I'll tell them what they need to hear or were you like uh, well, I've not really done that for a long yeah, time I mean, like, this is, this is Mr. Miyagi it's, it's, it was quite made quite clear to me that this is really basic stuff we're doing here and you know that they're using the mobile phones not even using digital cameras so I worked out that, you know, we could do something very straightforward, which just involves looking, studying some of the great portrait photographers right. and just do some portraits, look at the greats right. and then take some pictures of each other, portrait photographs yeah. of each other in groups. And then we do a bit of still life and then we'll do a bit of landscape. And then, um, you know, so, so I've worked yeah, out. So I little, guess like the principles of capturing an image and what you need to think about and yeah. composition and light and color and. All those things remain unchanged, right? It's just that the tools that you've got now live on your phone with everything else in the world, sort yeah. of thing. There's always been a case, there's, there's almost been two streams, you know, there's people who are interested in photography, there's people who are interested in cameras. Right, I always yeah. prefer to be, to be one of those people that's more interested in photography than I am in the kit. I'm that's not really so much in, so interested in, in that. Um, but I mean, these children, as I say, they're special education needs, so, so they're on the autistic spectrum, they have a... Right. Uh, they have various levels of learning difficulty. Right. So really, um, using their mobile phones at the moment is is that's cool because it's a thing they've already know, got. It, it's something they've already got. They're usually very familiar with how to use it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're just working with with that at the moment. That's really cute. Uh, we'll ex- we'll explore getting them to use a digital camera, but the the um, the uh, the lead tutor has mm. sort of said, you know, maybe don't get out your most expensive camera to yeah, begin yeah. with. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But also, what's cute there is, and God knows, we we I think we all think about this all the time. I certainly do. I've got a teenage son. From the age of around ten, 
if I'm honest, I would not have let this happen this early, but, you know, we choose our battles. He's had a smartphone since he was like 10. And I just don't think kids should have smartphones, if I'm honest, before they're about 16. I think that, that they're as addictive as like fruit machines. You know what I mean? And, uh, but he, you know, he and all his other mates have them. So to do something that is like, here is a positive use of that bloody thing you carry around everywhere. I think that's a really cool thing. Well, it, well, it is. Uh, I mean, yes, to use them as cameras um, it is great to get them thinking that way um, rather than, um, you know, um, spending a lot of time on, on, on social uh, tools, uh, on social media, maybe excessive amounts of screen time. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, th these children are not allowed uh, to, to have their phones. Some of them are not allowed because they right. spend too much time on their phones yeah, otherwise. Yeah. So there are literally... Uh, allowed to have their phone um, uh, during the lesson to use as a camera and yeah. they're not allowed to have it for a large part of the day but I mean that's could be worse in my opinion yeah um, was was there a time where you would have liked photography to be like the main thing you were doing like all the time yeah I think there was um, I mean I was a uh, I was an assistant to a still life photographer in Soho a long time ago um, uh, and um, <laughs> you know it was an interesting game to be in um, when you say still life do you yeah. mean like artistic or do you mean like fish fingers for an advert <laughs> well the idea of course is to, to make fish fingers look artistic isn't it really <laughs> that's um, the sweet so, spot. so that's that's the sweet spot that, that's that's what you're aiming for certainly yeah. as far as the art directors were yeah. concerned fingers crispy pancakes um, by mario testino but you know no something like fish fingers sort of flying through the sky you yeah, know right. with wings right, and that yeah. kind of thing you know okay um i think the idea of making a living out of it by doing um, pack shots for mm. catalogs or high yeah, yeah. catalogs kind of thought well if I if I do that if I end up mm. doing that it's probably going to destroy my passion for well. photography so I think I would rather keep photography as something that I do what I want to do and if I don't make any money out of it fine well then that just but that doesn't destroy my passion yeah um, well it's interesting because when I think about how I got into tv writing and comedy and all that being able to say writer in a way that wasn't because I started in advertising I wanted to be able to say I am a writer not just like I make ads so I went running after the dream of being a comedy writer, a TV writer, a script writer. And, you know, there's been some really good moments doing that along the way. But in a roundabout way, it's sort of the same thing because you... you oh, oh dear, there's a, there's a lady in here who's quite loud. And what's funny is, right, she's a little bit of a local character that uh, I've been in a cafe before where she turned up. And we, we might not be able to hear each other now for like half an hour. <laughs> oh, she's going. Bless she's her going, heart. Right. <laughs> um, she's, she's definitely a little bit eccentric. Uh, do if, don't, don't smile. Don't look she at might her. come back. Don't look don't at <laughs> her. Because she will come back and tell you very loudly about what her dog did this morning. Back in our world, I've, I've now worked in the TV industry long enough that a lot of the jobs you do do feel like doing pack shots for a thing not mm. like what your dream of being in there was and that mm. the, you, you were going to be making the most mm. highly respected drama that mm. no one's coming near you and telling you what your product should be what your what your ideas should be and all that because you're trusted because you're a genius the reality of it is it's just an industry the, the the shows the tv shows and whatever else are products they are part of a 
a, a production line. There's like, you know, it's a machine. There's a lot of people that already that, that are doing their job, and all they care about is their job, and everyone is is just sort of part of this sort of like running this big sort of operation, and that you are just one bit of it. And writers like to think of themselves as, you know, like the heart, the beating heart of the whole thing, which artistically they, it's, there's an argument for it, kind of, kind of true when something's brilliant, it's probably very well written, but the, 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 the battle that we have in creative industries is, is you, you're telling yourself that you're an artist, but really you're, you're being hired to do a thing. And it's an interesting sort of thing that I think a lot of people fight with, including myself. It's it's good if you if yeah, I am glad that I observed it. Um, as long as it means that I don't completely just you know I, I suddenly find myself getting swamped by a different career that I never really do any projects that are photographic. So I've got a photographic mm. project. It's a photo poetry project at the, at, uh, at the moment, um, and um, I've already um, I've self-published a book. So tell me what's, what the book's about. Uh, so it's, it's just, uh, I did it in 2015, so it's quite a long time ago now, um, but it's called Near the Water. And it's, uh, I just wanted to experiment with this concept of taking various images of seascapes and, and people in seascapes oh, wow. and then actually writing, doing some creative writing on the back of that photograph. Oh, really? What does that image actually say to me? And oh, what is going on? Because, um, I mean, I love the great um, uh, street photographers like Cartier-Bresson and, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you take an image of a complete stranger sitting on a train, for example, yeah. uh, or, and you, you know, you see uh, an unusual expression on somebody and you take a candid photograph of that person. Mm. And you, a story can, can, can come out of that. Definitely, and, uh, or and definitely something about what you capture will get you thinking about what's going on in, in mm. that person, mm. you know, without a doubt. Right? Well, we do, we do that on the, we do that on the uh, when we're travelling very often, don't we? When you look at strange, yeah. strangers on a train or on a... Yeah, yeah. And you think, you know, you sort of look at that person and you go, I wonder what's going on for that person. Yeah, totally, yeah. And um, so this is one of... Uh, this is the my first attempt to actually just try and do some uh, prose and poetry on the back of photographs that I've taken. Amazing. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the first experiment, and I am working on a, on a new one, which is called Transit. Uh, wow. And that is going to be, uh, as the title suggests, it is going to be photographs of people travelling on trains and oh, in airports. Yeah, and, I love all that uh, stuff. Yeah. See, the, it's funny because it's the same thing, but as, a, as someone that has written and then created characters a photograph and a little thing like that is the jumping off point for like who's this person and my brain is like tapping me on the shoulder saying oh where do they live what do they do where do they shop what do they eat what do they go on holiday what is their position mm. on this thing mm. and that thing mm. and I know like you do that in your brain when you look at you could be anyone looking at those photographs would be mm. wondering that it's interesting because being a a writer especially a character writer is just actually just sitting and answering those questions mm. which is interesting isn't it you know but sometimes when you when you're sitting on a train with a group of people like there's there's one of the pictures in the the new projects i'm working on is just a group of people on a on a tram in in budapest and um you know you could almost you can see a performance or a play taking place right there between the different characters they could be they could be on stage and it's funny how they're not really they're not really communicating with each other, but for this brief there's moment, there is, there is a dynamic and there is a performance going on. There's, yeah, there's always something going on with how it's working when, when, uh, when the chat starts flowing or 
if an incident happens, all you need is like four people sat there and nothing's happening. Mm. Anything breaking that mm. silence and then happening and then everyone's got to respond mm. and then reveals mm. the dynamics really, mm. doesn't it? Because it's... it's uh, but I like that. I really like wholeheartedly following a project, but it's not attached to what the outcome is. It's completing the project yeah. and the process is the journey. And that is that is a version of a conversation I have with every one of my friends who's frustrated in a profession doing their creative mm. thing that is being mean to them and they're not quite, you know, and they're trying to follow a path and the path is full of obstacles and is mean. The main thing that's making people angry isn't, it's not really how far you get that's important. It's do you let yourself be frustrated by those obstacles? If you do, it's because you've forgotten, in my opinion, that the process should be the, should be the aim. Mm. And anything that comes off it should be the bonus. And then you stop yourself from going insane with like, why am I not recognized? And, you know, as long as you mean it, like the work. Well, I think, I think there's an awful lot of pressure on us. Uh, and, and maybe it's more so for men sometimes uh, to like, what am I going to be? You know, yeah, like what the one, hell exactly one are thing. you? I've got to be one thing. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to be mm. recognized as being great at yeah, one yeah. thing, you know, but... Very often be the authority actually, in that thing. There's different. There's different parts of us. You know, mm. we need to. We need. You know, we have different ways of expressing ourselves. In we have different different talents or different interests. It is interesting. And, yeah, yeah. That, I think. I think it's a, a good thing that uh, I think men start need to have conversations about what it is about. Uh, even though we're, we've we've all been very aware of like a lot of conversations in the last few years about. Be, you know, as as both of us represent. Uh, without me casting dispersions, uh, the apparently the apex of the sort of food chain have been um, white male and I'm um, just not being rude, but middle-aged, uh, you know. Uh, and yet, what's interesting is like thinking about uh, some of the issues that men have and that boys have and that lads have growing up and. And it all links to how comfortable people are with their feelings and uh, opening up and asking for help and all the rest of it is that I think you've touched on something there, which is that from the beginning, there is a sort of, there is a pressure to reveal yourself as to where you fit in the winners and losers race. I think it's important for us to be, to remain vulnerable and remain, uh, you know, just remain aware of our, uh, our own weaknesses in the areas that um, uh, that we we need to improve upon. Have you ever? Have you ever? Um, um, so this is a weird, a weird question to throw at a stranger. Have you ever had a fight? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, no, I, most, I wasn't I made, planning I mean, to yeah, ask you okay, that. Well, I hope you're not about to spring one on me because when I tell you that, <laughs> I've not had one yet. Well, you've already but, thrown coffee at me. <laughs> so, um, so no, I've managed to managed to avoid them so far. Yeah, I remember being at um, I remember being at a pub in. Uh, in Rotherhithe in South London. Uh, well, you'll find one around there with a, for sure. With a, with a mate of mine. Yeah. Was it called the Prince of Orange? I think it was called. And um, uh, and uh, he was round the corner ch- playing pool, I think. And there was a bit of a dispute round the pool table. Right. Yeah. Um, we decided to go off and to do our own thing, playing games for a bit. And I was on the fruit machine, and he was he went round to the pool table. Yeah. And then a fight broke out round the pool table. Right. Uh, and. Um, before I knew it, there was you could hear the sound of glasses smashing, Ooh. and uh, so it was getting nasty. Yeah. And there was a bit of a tussle, um, and um, 
I was just like, I just looked round to see what I could see. And it was all over, like, you know, very often these things are over really, really quickly, yeah, yeah. aren't they? And it was all over in about sort of 10, 15 seconds. Right. And then things had calmed down a bit, uh, yeah. you know, but... But managed I was not almost to wade in. I, well, I was, yeah, but I was on my way to getting a jackpot on the fruit machine, so I had to stay with it. Really. <laughs> what else can I ask you? You've, you work for, as I understand it, an organisation, if I'm getting this right, that plants trees but I don't really understand the context. Okay. So this is the other, this is the missing part of the jigsaw puzzle, if you like, in terms of what I do with my time. All right, so okay. I've told you about those other bits. So the other, the, the remaining piece to my week schedule, if you like, is I'm organized tree planting and maintenance projects. Um, and I started up an organization called Tree Action, um, which is a community interest company. Uh, started it in 2019. Um, and uh, the objective is just really um, utilising, part of the plan was to utilise the space in schools to plant trees uh, mm-hmm. and at the same time enable young people to get uh, better environmental education mm-hmm. um, because having worked um, in a school in the past, working with special education needs students, I realised how much it can help them to improve their cognitive skills and their well-being and um, that connection with the environment. And these are these young people today are our future environmental ambassadors. And yet um, we're finding a lot of young people today are not really connected to the environment at all. In fact, which is not great timing. Um, you know, a lot of us take this for granted, the fact that we, we know what it's like to go to a, a beautiful uh, woods uh, and uh, to go at the regular basis and you know appreciate nature and some young people are um, quite removed from from that environment and very often. not really not really connected to it uh, obsessed with social media mm-hmm. um, excessive screen time yeah um, so I think that's it's very important so I, my aim with this was to try and do two things at the same time in a way to try and get trees planted which is going to improve biodiversity and improve the environment mm. but have young people as very much a part of that process and and maintaining it and so far i'm pleased to say in the past few years we've done five school projects and um uh, we've got two more in the pipeline for this season for those that don't know a tree planting season is between november and march each year are the different is it like do you do stuff with different age groups? Do you, do you, do you chop it into, uh, you know, like 12-year-olds or four-year-olds and whatever? Or is it just one thing with a bunch of kids, like, per school? What do you, how does it... Are you targeting anyone in spe- specifically? Yeah, I mean, is there a good time for... To begin with, to begin with, we would, you know, just any school that, that was interested in getting a, a large tree pl- planting project delivered on their school grounds... And we go for, but really, we're more interested, I think, with this in in uh, the special education needs schools, right? And um, particularly um, in those deprived areas or where there's young people who don't really have much opportunity or connection to the environment. So, um, but we know we won't rule out working with any school. So, mm. um, and the aim is that we are not 
we're not uh, trying to make money out of the school. Um, we fundraise as well for the whole project. So to give you an example, to answer your question, uh, with one school in Shoreham, uh, Bucking Park Primary School, mm. we went to the site, we looked at what could be done. Uh, I'm not an arborist, I'm not a specialist, I don't know enough about um, what the right kind of trees are for a particular areas, so I bring okay. an arborist in. Right. And um, he came up with a plan uh, of uh, a mixture of fruit and woodland trees. They included plums, cherries, oh, right. uh, pear trees, uh, and then some woodland trees such as aces and, and some interesting ones like an Indian bean tree, which would have massive leaves, which would look interesting for the students. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in several stages, we planted all, uh, I think it's 49 trees on the school grounds. And that school has and got... not all in one bit. It, it like was done in... It's spread out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but not, not in like I mean, a, are you yeah. creating a little woodland or are you just sort of decorating the whole sort of place a bit more with a... Well, for that kind of... With that particular school, it's more like a... You know, the, the selection is a bit of a chocolate box of trees, really. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of spread around the perimeter uh, of the main sort of field. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say a chocolate box of trees before. <laughs> well, that's, that, that, was a, that was a word that somebody else used to describe the selection. In fact, in yeah. fact I think the arborist actually said it's a, it's a bit of a chocolate box. Yeah, it's yeah. A, quite a variety of, of, yeah, of yeah. Uh, different tree, variety, uh, tree types. So, um, But we, we raised the money from that, from a crowdfunding campaign, and we also got a local business, the focus group, to um, uh, very kindly donated uh, £4,500 to that project. Wow. Um, and these are these are not just um, small saplings. These are established trees. Really, they're um, so they'll be two meters or more in height. So they're about three, between three and five years old, typically. Wow! And the so reason this guy basically, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're not going to have the terminology here, but effectively, you're sort of digging up a tree very carefully to then replant it somewhere where it's going to be okay. No, you buy them from nurseries. So there are tree nurseries across the country and there are some in the south so you would buy them from a reputable tree nursery they have to be uk grown trees ideally so the tree's a toddler in a, tr a toddler tree in a toddler nursery is that in a pot or in 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 the ground and then you get it out uh so with some nurseries um they they grow them from very young or yeah. from seeds i don't know enough about how the nursery business works to be perfectly honest to know all the different ways right. that they do this but um, yeah, I think that's the print, that's the model for a tree nursery. Um, I'm but gonna, we were going to be asking you when 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 we uh, in the same office again to show me what an established tree looks like because uh, <laughs> yeah, I know I know looking around, you, you know, we all know when we're looking at a very very well established tree. But it's an interesting idea in it between yeah. sort of sapling, is it called yeah. a baby tree? Is yeah. a sapling? A whip is another name for it, believe it or not. A what? A whip? A whip. Yeah, really? It's also called a whip. Yeah. Mm, didn't know that. There <laughs> yeah. you go. See, we're all learning. Um, isn't isn't it just? Um, I'm sure this matters to you as well. But uh, just thinking about this arborist mm. and going, hey, look, we need a thing and whatever, and then him him going, right, I tell you what you want, and having a uh, having an opinion on what a nice mix of trees is. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like one one of the sort of sub reasons I like I like this idea as a project to doing this podcast. Because it was like, what else is there in the world that I've not never thought of doing or whatever? Not necessarily just for me, but for people listening. I think it's really good to hear about other worlds and other jobs and the 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 uh, 
the scope of what people's minds are filled with to do their job and all that. Mm. And it doesn't. It sounds like it doesn't get much better than <laughs> sort of figuring out uh, a mix of trees for a project. <laughs> it sounds really, really wholesome. Well, it's a, it's it was a bit of a canvas for him. It was a blank canvas, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, and you know, that's a nice, a nice exercise to be able to to just choose a selection I did ask him afterwards you know what so why did you choose those these particular mm. trees you know what was the, the the main reason for your choices and um, you know he said it was A for biodiversity mm-hmm. because let's not forget that different trees mm. attract different insects All and right. they attract different birds wow, so right. if you grow certain types of trees in certain areas you will attract certain species along and that's that's a really important consideration if you're trying to increase biodiversity in the area and oh then God, yeah, so that's right. the that's the environmental consideration and then um the second consideration is obviously from the children's point of view things which are going to be interesting and exciting for them and that they can become engaged with yeah. and and fruit is a no-brainer isn't it really i mean mm. that's that's you give you know, the opportunity for children to pick plums of yeah, trees yeah. in the school yeah, oh, well, which is yeah. great. it's like a nutrition as well as <laughs> biology lesson and <laughs> take them into the kitchen yeah. you know they make crumble from from oh, it or wow. whatever yeah it's like it's like um, a circle of life right yeah so that's, that's great. Um, you know the and these are important but but the 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 just to finish off on the, that particular school project the important element of it is that we then having planted those trees um, we give a plan uh, which the the arborists have helped, helped us produce to the school for the students to know how to look after those trees going forward. Right. So they've given uh, they've got 22 classes at that school and they've given each class a, t- a couple of trees to look after. Oh, and right. they're going out every month either weeding, watering or mulching those trees to keep them Aww. keep them growing. So they're getting some really engagement outdoors and they feel that you know it's their tree. That's really cool. That's like you're invested in it as well as a learning about nurturing and looking after something. Yeah. And a- answer me this. Is there a better word anywhere in the world than mulching? <laughs> that is a superb word. Yeah. You know, I get, I get um, sometimes contacted by, uh, with the, the community events. We do some com- community events as well. We've been given some land by Ada District Council, um, a council not far away from here, um, to plant some younger trees, some saplings, and we get... Um, we get families out involved in looking after those and um, you know I've had a few calls from uh, parents uh, who've said look I want to get my I want to get my teenage mm. boy away from his computer games yeah uh, can can we can you think of something that we can all do that you know will right, get I him see, interested yeah. now you know we can't promise you can going to get some you know boy who's com- totally mm. addicted to uh to engage to get to get excited about about it but you'd be surprised um mm. the effects it can actually have on kids we had a uh, uh a group of students that we took to a local park um and uh the, the teachers came along we had a park ranger come along and um they planted 18 uh, chestnut trees in in the park and a couple of the kids in that group they were just totally blown away by it they never planted anything in their lives before and they just like you know oh my god mm. I've planted something mm. and I went back that like, they did that in the morning and I went back later on the afternoon just to mm. to collect some stuff that had been left behind and it was um, 
about 20 minutes later, one of the boys who was in that class, he mm. came back and he brought a couple of his mates along. Oh, that's adorable. And he came to show his mates, yeah. look, I planted this this morning. Yeah. He was he was really He's proud. It he on was already. really proud of himself yeah. for doing this. You know, it was a big thing for him that, that he'd actually done this. How old were they? Uh, I'd say probably about 13, 14. That's, like that. that's um, at that age. That's particularly yeah. am, amazing. Yeah. Not amusing. Yeah. It's particularly yeah. amazing uh, yeah. as a father of a fourteen-year-old boy. Mm. We all know that's uh, the beginning of the grunting years. Yeah. You know, it's like anything someone middle-aged says is just like the opposite of what you want to listen to and all that and yet mm. the, in the right environment and the right circumstances mm. you can open up a little mind and uh, make someone feel connected to something it's amazing that they pass that on off their own back but i think i person. think young people are actually um you know that when they do get understand the importance of it especially with all the challenges that we're having to do uh, at the moment with with climate change and it's increasingly creeping up the the agenda in terms of importance and significance you know it's a massive weight on their shoulders um yeah. to um to to deal with that but um uh, i think environmental education is more important now than ever and definitely that thing you're saying like yeah there must be a creeping sense of doom It'd not be a good time to be young and not quite have your head around those issues because they are very serious issues it's pretty heavy, not knowing what the future holds and all that. How, giving someone something positive to do that at least sort of helps a bit is, give, is handing them a tiny bit of control or at least teaching them that they get to make decisions about trying to help with that, with that mm. big problem mm. and that they're not useless. Mm. And, but I was just thinking as well, in terms of this lad feeling that, what made that lad tell his friends look at this and then bring them and of course he's just telling them what he did that day and they're just his mates but part of me can't help thinking that because of the amount of time all of us spend plugged into if you like the matrix mm. the, the technological mm. world um, and because a lot of that is demanding your attention and is all it's, it's apparatus that's designed to have you slightly addicted and sort of you'll you basically without you knowing it your anxiety level will be slightly higher even if you just think you're chilling looking at instagram or whatever you it's it's basically like a little dopamine game you're playing and that's mm -hmm. ultimately exhausting we all get exhausted looking at our phones too much mm -hmm. these kids are only doing that mm -hmm. now maybe it pos it's possible that that kid doesn't even know that what's happened is because he his phone was away and he was doing this other thing that is connected to nature his actual body or any, any person who's doing it, when you do gardening or something, you are sort of doing mindfulness without even knowing you're doing it. Yep. And that might have made that person feel good. And then have to, then he's like, I have to tell you, mm. look, came and did this thing. Yeah. But, and obviously there's just the thing that they get it and they're proud on that level. But, mm. but I think it's like a really important part of it. Like if we mm. can also make kids aware, mm. how did you like, after the event, like how did it make you feel doing that? Mm. So that then they make the connection mm. that organic world is good for my body and soul. Mm. And then it might help them handle how much tech time they actually have. Because it's one of the big, <coughs> big, big concerns as, as a parent and just as a person in the world right now is these poor kids have just been... They were, it was bad enough that they were... How prevalent that stuff is anyway. Then they had to go through the pandemic. Mm. And... We are, we're going to be helping people through that time for a long time, especially mm. kids. Mm. 
I salute your efforts to uh, bring children into the organic sphere. Well, it was triggered by my own experiences because I'm a dad and my um, uh, my boy's um, 21 now, but but he suffered from severe OCD. Right. And um, it, it just got me thinking about some of the challenges, um, you know, that young people have um, with mental health issues. Right. And that in turn drew me into... Um, understanding the whole school process and what you know how he dropped out of school just before he finished his GCSEs but fortunately right managed to um, to get some private tuition and and you know um, you know passed his his most of his exams in the end but um, but you know the, the, there's some real challenges that uh, that young people have and uh, uh, I think that, you know the environment can do a lot to support them so did you did you make a personal connection then with because I've, I've experienced um, a bit of parental stuff where you're concerned about where the journey's going at various points. And it's like, what would be good to help this kid through tricky period of life and all the rest of it? When it especially when you're young and it's like, this is where you're supposed to be. At this year, you're supposed to be in that year doing those exams. It's like, it's pretty unfair in a way. Life works like that. It's a structure. You're on a timeline, mm. and if anything goes wrong, you're aware that you're not where you should be, as if you're like in a in a race and you're supposed to be in eighth place. It's like ridiculous. So my question is, did you make a connection that the nature thing was like really useful to your own child when things were like when the road wasn't looking so certain? I think it was more um, wanting to understand. I saw an opportunity, basically, to go and work at a, a secondary school um, as uh, as a teaching assistant, and um, I thought, well, I'll just give this a go. It'll actually be quite interesting to see what it's like working at a, a state school on the inside. Well, it actually, was an academy. An academy. Maybe that will help me understand what it was that my son has been through. Yeah, that's an interesting. So way when around. I went when I went in there and I was working with children with special education needs, I was really, I was very shocked at the some of the condition of some of right. these kids. Some yeah, of yeah. whom had been on medication. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not think that there were any children on medication in right. secondary schools. I was stunned, mm. um, and um, I just I know that some of the, the children were being put in isolation maybe because they misbehaved or they were showing signs of antisocial behavior. So they'd be put in isolation for a day. And I just saw this space outside mm. the school. Um, mm. And I thought, well, that'd be good to have some trees in it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh and then I God. just thought, well, hang on a minute. Can, surely these yeah. kids can go out and do something out yeah. there. Wouldn't that not be Where, better for them than being, being in isolation for the day? In a room looking at a window because you've not done as you're told or get the kid outside, mm. change their mindset, get them feeling positive, mm. engaging with I mean, it's for me, that's a miles better way of uh, teaching someone what to value and why it's worth sort of, you know, sorry, you do have to follow a structure and rules in life and whatever. Better way to, t for me, a better way to teach someone is like you say, positive, positive engagement with the good thing rather than withdrawal from the good thing and make, to make, you know, like the naughty step, if you like. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a, 
It's a strange so, one. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was the trigger, really, just seeing that opportunity and then having conversations with, you know, a lot of schools have a pastoral care team, but not many schools, a growing number of schools are starting to have eco teams and green teams and things like that now. They're starting to appear. Um, but there's still a lot of schools that have got a long way to go. Well, they're not doing anything. To me, it sounds like a brilliant idea for more schools to have because... There's something quite heavy, like when, when, you know, my lad was struggling with um, attending school and it became like an anxious thing, right? And with the best will in the world, the pastoral care person could be like the world's most compassionate, nice, patient person. But immediately that's like, here's the person designated to deal with fixing anxious kids. Mm. It's like... It's a bit like being taken to the doctor through the eyes of a child. It's like, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling like this? This person's really nice. But it's like, <laughs> there's a little bit of you knowing that they're just like, hey, mate, how are you doing? What's your favorite Spider-Man film? Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's lovely. Mm. But it might be that sort of activity-based bonding and kind of experiences that are gentle and that are low pressure and that, that do nourish and that aren't that themselves lower anxiety, like we were saying about nature just lowers anxiety right that's like maybe that maybe that might be more powerful than the, the friendliest man in the world in an office who's got some like cool yeah. stuff for you so, to sometimes you know some I mean? of these kids have they just had you know they had they've had a weekend from hell or you know their parents are going through a divorce or whatever and they come into school on monday you know they're just not there they're just not ready for it Shit, and yeah. they'd be they'd be better off <clears throat> just being outside um you know Doing a bit of uh, you know planting something or doing a bit of digging or something like that. Just that, just Absolutely. that, just that time to just be and not do anymore. And just that's what you would do if you're a healthy adult. It's sort of what if if you're if you're good at looking after yourself. Hmm. That might be you just yeah you're like you know what I'm taking Monday morning off. I nip to the garden centre. I'm just gonna just gonna do a bit of my my plant pots. Hmm. Da da da. Have a bath. Have brunch and then I'll be ready. Mm. For the to, to rid me of what was stressful yeah. this weekend, but I think if, that's, there's an opportunity there to actually obviously teach the children themselves the self care in terms of looking after your own mental oh, wellness. God, yeah. That that is something they need to learn as well, and that you're teaching them that at the same time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So what we're trying yeah. to do with Tree Action really is just to try and support the forest school activities that the school has to yeah. try and help help them to. Um, uh, to make that happen, um, if it's a funding issue, then we, you know, we try and get the funds and just make it happen so that the students who are doing forest school have a forest. I suppose. Well, you, you've got you, you've talked about three things you, you're involved with. You've got the sort of environmental event stuff. You've got like photography, and you're, you're like passionate about those in different ways. And and of course the uh, the tree the tree world. Do you do you are you are you sort of like most nourished yourself, knowing that you've got a bit of all of that happening, or or is there sort of one of them that you wish was dominating it, and then it's like you'd be like fully into it? And yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, um, I think what I want to do is I want to get Tree Action to a stage because it's it's just a. Uh, a CIC in its infancy I'd like to get it to a stage where we've got enough core funds that um, you know that's something that I can spend more time doing what's a so CIC? A community interest company right yeah so it's uh, it's it, it, 
you register it with company's house like any company mm -hmm. but there's an asset lock and the directors don't get any share dividends if it's under guarantee which ours is mm -hmm. so it's a not-for-profit for all intents and purposes but it's yeah. much easier to put together a CIC than it is a uh, charity uh, and with a registered charity you have to have trustees um, we may well change to a charity later on down the road but for now um, in its early stages this is this is uh, the best place to be but, but without being cheesy that's the one that you would most like to sort of grow and actually yeah. become established yeah and so established if, if uh, tree action yeah, tree all the puns come out trees yeah. we branch out and, oh, hey. and, and uh, you know um, <laughs> leave it there yeah that's it <laughs> here we go hey. it's all happening yeah um, right. mulch ado about nothing yeah um, <laughs> don't you drive me nuts <laughs> It's funny, isn't it, that there'll be, there'll be one thing in your life that feels like mm. you're sort of in a good zone when, when mm. your brain's there. Yeah, and, but I mean, you know, for me, I, I won't, uh, I'll, I'll always keep the, the photography and um, the creative writing going, and that project going uh, on the sidelines. I don't want to let, I always want to allow a bit of room for that. So even if I've I stopped the conferences game and I'm able to make Treaction a, pretty much like a full-time job i'll still keep my my you know the, the photo poetry going yeah. get out of the old conference game yeah. i've been doing it so long yeah i can do it with my fucking eyes closed now <laughs> yeah. i don't think you meet many people that talk like conferences <laughs> it's all about conferences <laughs> speak your mind thought leadership <laughs> so um, I'm going to wrap this up. This has been um, my first go at doing a tea and empathy chat. How's it been for you? Uh, okay, well, uh, apart from the uh, slight uh, spillage of um, latte, oh, your tantrum uh, earlier when you threw coffee all over your pad. Yeah, uh, it's gone very well. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thanks very much for the opportunity to oh. be on the first of, I'm sure, many. Well, I hope uh, so. Yeah, podcasts. I mean. Already doing this first one, I totally feel that the reason this is this works as an idea is because I maybe had preconceived idea of you were going to stick to a few things about some of like some of the stuff that you said that is sort of like technically information about what you're doing, but we we wandered all over the place, mm. and I think that to me is why randomly sitting with someone and having a conversation that you wouldn't usually have. Mm turns out to be actually quite nourishing and ace and um so i uh i thank you very much for joining me um please come again sometime when your trees are more established <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, I was just like, here is a person who I might not talk to like this again, and I better like take this in. It felt like it was really good for my brain. And the other takeout that I got from it was that it's interesting how you can immediately see a bit more depth in a person just from having one conversation for like an hour with someone that you might not usually talk to. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it too. I'm going to keep doing these and there's going to be one of them every month only available for you, my special babies, on Patreon. Chef's kiss, baby. See you in the big league. And cut. We're out. Great. Okay. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks, team. Great. Fantastic. Let's all go to Bloody Pizza Express. Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I'm I'm one. <laughs>